0: Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Brenham, Texas. My name is Joel Knox, and I'm the senior pastor here. If you haven't already, you can check out our media archive on our website, vineyardbrenham.org, or go to our Facebook page at Vineyard Brenham for more media or information about our church. We're so glad you joined us, and here's this week's message. How many of you recognize that song? That was from Sister Act. It was released back in 1992. I didn't realize it had been that long, and that was that was the pop song. I will follow him. And of course, if you if you watch that movie, if you remember that movie, you know that that Dolores, the lounge singer enters into the witness protection program and gets sent to a convent in San Francisco of all places. And she introduces songs like I Will Follow Him and revitalizes their choir. And that particular performance was done before the Pope himself. If you if you remember the movie. And... Uh, the, but the best part was that that part right there and I didn't show the video. I was just I, I trying to make sure we don't get in trouble with any kind of licensing while we're doing this stuff online. But but it's really cool in the video because the, the the little nun that's playing the, the, the piano, she stands up, makes a makes an ugly face, and then starts dun 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 it, it's you have to go watch it now. So uh you're welcome, for those of you that, that like that movie. But, well, I want to talk about discipleship again today. This has kind of been a, been a thing that I, I've, a little journey that I've been on since our, our foray into the pandemic began. And, uh, and I want to borrow my title from the title of the song that I just played you. I Will Follow Him. Now, here's what I would like to do today. If at some point in the course of of my message, if you have a question about anything that that I bring up, I want you to use the connect cards there in front of you. Just put your name on it. I mean, if you want to be anonymous, that's fine, but it would be nice to know who the questions are coming from. But if you have a question about anything that I bring up today, in terms of discipleship, then write your question. And if I get a few, I'd like to maybe start next week by answering those questions. So um, anyway, if you if you'd like to participate, I would love for you to. When you when you fill out your connect card, just drop it in the in the offering box in the back so that we make sure that we limit our contact, you know. So but I, I think it might be, might be interesting if you have a question, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about discipleship. If you have a, have a question that just comes up in the course of, of my message today, I'd, I'd love to get that feedback. And I was talking to Danelle yesterday, and, and she was saying, you know, I kind of miss having our little testimony time that we have before the sermon. And uh, I, I didn't really prepare Kenny, but would someone... And now, and, and when we do this, you're, Kenny's going to have to hold the, the microphone. So he's... Oh, he's, he's, he's already... Okay. Oh, he's right over there. I forgot. I, I thought Shauna took it with her. Um, anyway, I process outwardly. This is something that I found out over the pandemic. And so it if you... If you think, well, he actually said that, but well, that's because I, I'm, I'm saying what I'm thinking, and it's just how I do things. So, um, But would, would somebody like to maybe give a testimony about something that has happened in the course of the past several months? I mean, we're, we're just getting back into the swing of, of meeting together, and maybe something happened and, and you haven't had an opportunity to tell anybody about what took place. And you'd just like to to share. I wanna give you the opportunity to do that. Anybody? Okay. Well, maybe I caught you off guard. Next week we'll do this again, and we'll see if there's any testimonies. So, anyhow. All right, I'm just stalling before I get started. I wanna ask you a question. What exactly is a disciple? Would anybody like to maybe take a stab at that? It's a biblical thing. We know that. Okay. Well, here's here's a couple of definitions, and this, this is kind of... My adaptation on, on other, other definitions that and, and th- this is this is something that I came up with, but I, th- I think it's pretty consistent across the spectrum. Number one, a disciple is someone who commits themselves to learning a skill or a trade from someone else, like, like an apprentice. And that's generally what we mean when we talk about a disciple. The second definition, and this is going to be a little bit more along the lines of what I'll be talking about today, a disciple is someone who devotes themselves to a vocation or to a way of life through study or even life application. In many ways, like a student. That's what it means to be a disciple. Now, I was thinking about this in the course of, of the week. If you think about it, nearly every trade in the world is learned through some form of apprenticeship or discipleship kind of relationship with an employer and an employee think about it anybody in the room a plumber well the term in in course there's been a lot of a lot of a war on words lately but you have an understudy who usually goes to a master plumber someone who has a certi- certification to to teach someone how to be a plumber. And usually you sign on as a helper, and that might involve digging ditches, and that might involve doing a lot of dirt work, but that's how you learn the trade of being a plumber. Same thing goes for being an electrician. You learn the trade from from an electrician who's been in the field for a long, long time. Brick and stone masons. Carpenters, HVAC technicians. Think about that. I, I, I was just thinking about it this week. You know, we and incidentally, we're we're having another AC issue in the back room back here. We're going to have to have to deal with that at, at at some point before we can reopen. But you call an H, HVAC tech. How many people usually shows up? Two. The technician and his helper. And that's the guy that, that he does all the running, he does all the all the, the, the grunt work, if you will. And the tech is the one who connects all the equipment up and, and knows how to read the gauges. Right? And then, and I, I thought about this, PC technicians. I came into the IT world. Really not knowing a whole lot about computers. I had taught myself quite a bit. And then I got into the department and then they put me with somebody who had been in the department longer than I had been there. And they taught me that this is how this is how you install software. This is how you, you know, change a password. This is, I mean, literally everything from the ground up. And I also went out and I, I, I took certification tests so that I could say, okay, I know at least this much. And then there were others in the department who took the higher level certifications. I took those courses, but I never took the, the exam. And, you know, of course, it doesn't really do you a whole lot of good. But that was a discipleship, apprenticeship, kind of relationship for those early years while I was learning my way in the industry. And of course, in in teaching, in education, when you graduate from college, you get assigned to a school and you you do student teaching, as they call it, and you're assigned to a mentor who helps you through the process until you can go out and, and... and be on your own. And of course, there's all kinds. You think about it. Just about every industry, just about every occupation, it involves some sort of mentor-mentee kind of relationship. The point is, is that we all learn how to do things with somebody else's help. And in the academic setting, it's often referred to as being a student of so-and-so. You know, in, in in ancient history, people talked about Aristotle being a student of Plato. And this is like out of my, my purview, but... But you, you see this, how someone was a student of someone else. Did I, did I get that wrong? Oh, I, 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 my daughter and wife are over there. They're, they're, the, they're the authority in our household, so I, I stepped a little out of line there. But this is, this is how it operates th- throughout history, that someone learns... Something from someone else. And this is where I got this this idea, being students of Jesus. Now, I want to ask you a question. Why do you do what you do? Why did you choose the career that you chose? You had an interest in it. Well, choosing a career, in a lot of ways, it's akin to choosing a way of life. Those of you who've been in the military, you know that when you went in, you're going to be deployed someplace. And those who were in relationship with you had to understand that you're going to be gone for a little while you'll come back periodically and at some point in the future you might be able to retire and then you can be with your family. And those who are are dealing with families that are that have been deployed, you know, especially during wartime, that, that's it's it's probably the most fearful time. But you have to understand that this is what this is the life that you've chosen. Same thing goes for law enforcement. I have a, a nephew and a niece who are involved in law enforcement and several cousins. And it's, law enforcement has been a way of life for, for a lot of people in my family. And you understand it's part of the job knowing that you're putting your life on the line the, the second that you walk out your front door. And especially in a time like this, It's bringing it all home to us. You know, how how important and necessary that is, and also necessary to understand. The same thing goes for education. You know that there's going to be long nights of grading papers. You know, there's going to be a lot of time that you end up spending with kids in the classroom, and then possibly with those same kids after school. There's a commitment level that's involved. And trade skills, all these kinds of things. And we use the words like profession. We use the word occupation. How do you occupy your time throughout the week? And then there's the word calling. And I've heard people say at times, I felt called to education. I felt called into law enforcement. That this was what I was meant to do. And this process is similar to being a disciple of Jesus. Now I'm going to read from the Gospel of Mark today, and I'm going to be jumping around a little bit. But in Mark chapter 8... I want to read you what Jesus said to a a crowd of people who wanted to be disciples of Jesus. He said, If any of you wants to be my follower, in other words, my disciple, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, which is my way, And follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, what you want, the things that you want, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. Now in each of the Gospels, we see how Jesus called his disciples. And literally what he said was, come and be with me. And they did. You see it with each and every one of the twelve disciples that they left everything. They left their vocation. Fishermen who had known nothing else in their life but to fish for a living, walked away from their boats. Matthew, who was a tax collector, a bookkeeper, if you will, closed his books and walked away from his table. They also walked away, in some cases, from their family. Scholars believe that that Peter actually had a wife and, and, and maybe some children. And they left left their lives literally behind for three and a half years to follow Jesus. All over the Middle East. And they left everything to be his students, his apprentices, like what we're talking about, to learn to live his way. And Jesus here was talking to people who wanted to be his disciples. This is what this is what you're agreeing to do. And when you think about that, that Jesus called, I mean, he didn't. he didn't lure them away with some kind of a, a bonus. You know, here's a contract, you know, you'll get this much and after 90 days, you get a raise. <laughs> you know dental health maybe even some life insurance you know he, there was there was no kind of security it was just come and follow me so when, when you look at that the the fact that that he just said come follow me there had to be something about Jesus that drew them to him I mean, was he some kind of Pied Piper that was maybe playing a flute before he ever showed up? And you know, there was something about him that drew them to follow him. And I think in the beginning they they followed Jesus because they were curious. You know, this this mysterious man shows up at a boat and says, "Come, follow me," and so they start bailing out of the boat, and they start following Jesus. You know, at one point, Andrew was standing under a tree. If you can go out and read this in the, in the, in the Gospels, he was standing out under a tree, and whenever one of the guys came to him and said, hey, come meet the man that might be the, the Messiah. Where's he from? He's from Nazareth. What good can come out of Nazareth? And they said, well, come and see. And so he comes to see, and and then Jesus says, well, I saw you when you were standing under the tree. And the implication of that passage is, and he probably heard you say, what good can come out of Nazareth? People came to Jesus because they were drawn to him. But they stayed with Jesus because they knew that He loved them. And they loved Him because of it. In other words, they were giving up their way for His. And they knew that Jesus loved them because He said things like this. In Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all of you who are weary... And carry heavy burdens. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble. Humble. As my wife likes for me to say. Okay, real quick. How how do you say that word humble? Is it humble? Humble. Okay, how many of you are humble? The city is humble. <laughs> Man. <laughs> the, city is humble. the city is humble. The city is humble. The word is, the word is humble. humble. That's right. Goodness, I, I I've I had it backwards, literally, <laughs> really did. Okay, sorry for the sidebar there. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble (laughs) and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden that I give you is light. Now from this, just this short little passage I think we can see that there's a few things that Jesus wants to do. First of all, he wants to teach us his way. And as Pam was saying last week, to see life through the connection. You know, we talked about that 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 graft that takes place, you know, whenever a limb is grafted into a, to a, to a tree, that the life is in the connection. And the focus is on that connection, staying connected. And that's what Jesus referred to as abiding in the vine, as, as he said, but abiding through the Spirit. We also see that Jesus wants to take time with us, and he wants to allow us to get to know him. What's he like? To find out that he actually has an interest in us, that he loves us and wants relationship with us. And he also wants to give us rest. One thing about our society, and I think we all know this, is that it's not about getting rest. It's about getting ahead. It's about trying to beat out the other person. It, it, it's about doing whatever I can to get ahead and, and doing what's in my best interest rather than everyone else. And he wants to give us the easy yoke. And this is, this is really the easiest way to, to look at it. How many of you have ever helped somebody carry something? I used to help my dad carry things. And I thought I was helping out like he's carrying a board and I'm holding on to the back of the board. Well, he's in the middle, and he's he's bearing the weight. My dad was the one that was bearing the weight. I was trying to help. And sometimes, you know, I'd lift up on it, and it would kind of lean forward, and, he'd, hey, stop that, you know. But Jesus, when we enter into the easy yoke, this is what makes it easy, is that he's the one that's bearing the weight. We just need to make sure that we're connected so that he doesn't walk off and leave us. You know, I mean, I've never seen a, a oxen and, and 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 see that the yoke in 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 practice, but that's how it works. And and typically, you know, it's two animals that are they're equally yoked because you know one can't really bear the load. But in Jesus' case, he bears it all. He just wants to make sure we're hanging on and staying connected. Jesus does the heavy lifting. And in Mark chapter 6, there's a a story, and it's really interesting. This is right after Jesus sent out the the disciples. And he told them to go out and and go out by twos and, and proclaim the kingdom of God. And they come back and they're telling him all the stories about this stuff actually works. We did what you told us to do, and everything that you said would happen, happened. And this is what Jesus said telling him this they're so excited and he said let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a little while and he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat you see he cared about those guys he didn't want them to get caught up in all the stuff you know because they came back and it's like oh we've got all this stuff to do well, let's Let's just rest a little while. Can we do that? And that was how Jesus modeled what the easy yoke looked like. Come and spend time with me. Come and see how I am. I'm, I'm not motivated like everybody else. I'm different. And then Matthew chapter 12 There's a quote from the prophet Isaiah. And he prophesied about what Jesus would be like. This is what the Messiah will be like when he appears. And this is how he described Jesus. Look at my servant, whom I have chosen. He is my beloved, and he pleases me. I will put my spirit on him. And he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle or, another translation, a smoldering wick. And finally, he will cause justice to be victorious and his name will be the hope of the world. I say all the time, I think this is my favorite verse, you know, about other verses, but I think today this one, this one is it, that his name would be the hope of the world. And I, I want you to see here what, what Isaiah said. First of all, that he proclaims justice, what's right. How many times have we seen Injustice. You know, we, we do our best, but somehow someone gets away with something. Somehow, somebody gets away with, with doing something that was just absolutely wrong. We admit it, it is wrong, and someone should do something about that. And then we try, and it justice still isn't served. Isaiah said that Jesus will prove that justice will be served. And he will see to it that it's victorious. That one day we'll see that everything is done right. And no one will be mistreated. No one will be disenfranchised. And that's what we look forward to when we look to the kingdom that is to come. And another thing is that Jesus does not fight. And what that means is that his rule and reign is not built on or is dependent on violence or force. How many times have we seen people who try to force their will? You know, they're the loudest voice in the room. You know, they're not getting their way and then they get loud. Well, Jesus doesn't have to raise his voice. And how many of you know that the one that doesn't have to raise their voice, the one that really is in control, doesn't have to demonstrate that they're in control. That Jesus' rule and reign is dependent on God and his sovereignty. That he truly is in control. And everything is in His hands. Isaiah also says that Jesus is gentle. And He gives us these two pictures of gentleness. First of all, the, the, the weak reed. And I'm sure we've probably seen reeds like out in, maybe in, in, in pastures someplace. You know, these, the, the grass that when it's blown by the wind and it starts laying over. Sometimes when the wind is really harsh, it'll it'll break it. And that thing never can stand up on its own again. Well, what Isaiah says about Jesus is that he'll make sure that even the weakest that cannot stand up straight, that they will not be broken. That he will not force his way on anyone. And in the same way, when talking about the candle, the wick, how many times have you seen just a flickering candle, or maybe even in a campfire, where the fire is getting ready to go out? That Jesus would be the one to make sure that that fire doesn't go out. Those of us who are struggling in our faith, that He's patient, even with that smoldering wick of faith that we have. He'll still sustain us and support us and give us hope so that we can continue believing. And of course, His name would be the hope of the world. I think about the song that, that was written by Bill and Gloria Gaither. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. You remember it? Master, Savior, Jesus. Well, if, you, if, if you've ever heard them, and I think it was whenever the song was first released, Gloria was talking about how you can whisper the name Jesus as a prayer for someone who is ill. Well, you can whisper the name Jesus whenever things aren't going right. And just the comfort that is present in the name Jesus. The Bible tells us that at the name of Jesus, the very demons in hell tremble at the power that's in His name. And for those of us who know Him, we know that He is our hope. So, I want to ask this morning, are you tired? Are you weary? Are you carrying heavy burdens? Jesus is saying now, just like He did that day, when He was calling these new disciples, come, follow Me, and receive My rest. And like the song that I opened with this morning, there's nothing that can keep us from His love. Nothing. No ocean too deep. He... Is our destiny? So I, I want to ask if you're here this morning and you need ministry. And see, here's the thing: whenever, whenever I'm, I'm writing during the week, and I think it's, I think it's the Holy Spirit that in the course of my writing, it's. And I don't I don't think it hasn't ever been anyone specific but I just feel that there there are people that are that are carrying these burdens and maybe for whatever reason it's maybe it's too hard to say I, I'm I need help I need I need prayer but i I feel like this week that well, first of all, God knew who was going to be here this morning. And then He prepared me to speak this message to somebody that, that may be struggling today. And I know it's happening. It, it, people are struggling. We don't, we don't know what's going to, what's going to come next. What's going to, what else is going to happen? If you're here today and you, you're that smoldering wick you're that, that reed that is being pushed over by the forces of life. Jesus is saying, come and receive my rest. Let's stand together. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. God, you see, you see everything that we brought in with us. You see everything that that we brought in today. Things that we're concerned about, the things that we're, that we're, we don't know what's going to happen. And you promised us that you will give us rest. We'll just come to you. Ask you to come now and meet us. Come now and meet us. If you'd like prayer today. And I know it's so awkward about, about moving around. And, but if, if, you, if you need prayer, I'd, I'd like for you just to just to slip your hand up. Just say, hey, Joel, pray with me. There was a word that was given a couple of weeks ago about someone that you've just stopped asking God for things. Maybe because you feel like He's not listening. Maybe you feel like that. Um, you know, maybe He'll He'll do that for somebody else, but not for you. If you feel that way, if, if, if that's something that's going on with you, I'd like to pray with you also. Well, here's what I'm going to do. If you're, if you're a little afraid to say something... But you feel like, yeah, this is this is what's going on with me. Uh, before you go, would you would you put that on a connect card so that we can pray for you this week? Would you do that? Okay. Holy Spirit I've come and I've done my best just to be obedient to what you you put on my heart and I ask you God to you to come Lord, I pray that you would demonstrate your love for everyone here today. You've called us to relationship. You've called us to to connection. You've called us to, to, to live and, and abide in you. And God I pray that if we've put up barriers that would prevent us from from following that you would that you'd help pull those down Give you thanks. We love you. We want to love you more. Go with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you all. Um, if you would like to. Uh, to join us today at, at the skating rink at uh, uh, Silver Wings, 2 p.m., $6 a person, got to wear your mask to get in, come out and, and uh, join the youth. You don't even have to skate. Some of us, that might be taking our lives in our own hands, So uh, so anyway, thank y'all for being here today. God bless you.